Welcome to the Dwellings Podcast. We're glad you tuned in. Enjoy this message by Pastor Gunnar. Revelation 5.8 says, When he'd taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. That's that, this aroma that's always rising before the Lord. It's prayer. And prayer, as we talked about week one, is not just about talking to him. It's about being with him. And prayer is a delight. Sometimes we, we look at prayer as a drudgery. Like, well, that's just what I'm supposed to do as a Christian, you know. But it's actually a delight. It's actually knowing the heart of the Father. It's knowing Jesus, becoming like him, doing what he did. And then we talked about last week, really fun message, prayer is death. So I hope some of you wrestled to death this week with the Lord. And, um, and then today, I want, I want to talk about this. Prayer is believing. Prayer is believing. And I know you don't believe this, but this will be a shorter message than usual. But I need you to have faith. And the more you talk back to me, because you're all kind of quiet today, the quicker you can go eat lunch. But the blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness... Prayer is believing. I've, I've prayed some pretty desperate prayers in my life. I've been in some low places. Am I the only one in the room who's been in a desperate place? Um, shortly after we got married, about a year and a half into our marriage, I was diagnosed with cancer. Six months of chemotherapy will bring you to your knees and put you in a desperate place. And I don't know if I, if I was as desperate as my family. I watched my family really grieve and like cry out to God and just get to a place of desperation for me. Even though the prognosis was good, it was just tough and it's scary. We've all been in similar situations like that where we, where our circumstances in life draw, draw, you know, can drive us to our knees in desperation. And uh, there's another time that was a really desperate time in our family. Um, my, my youngest daughter, before she was born, she's sitting right down here perfectly healthy today, but um, we weren't sure how her quality of life would be once she was born, and there, were a lot of, there was a lot of hopelessness around that conversation, and I'm so thankful that Jesus is all that he is and that we got a healthy baby girl today. But I'll tell you, in those moments when things aren't working out like you want them to, there's a desperation that comes on you that will drive you to prayer like never before, I and mean, even to the point of begging God. And I, I don't know of anything more that's brought me to desperation than being a parent. And I say that with, a, with joy in my heart that I've got three beautiful kids that I love so much, but sometimes when your love is so great, your hurt is as yeah. great. And there have been points as a parent, you know if you're a parent in here, you've been to some desperate places in your relationship with your children, just crying out to God. And um, desperation's not a bad thing. It's not a wrong thing because desperation does drive us to prayer. And there's a, there's a place in prayer that I think desperation can get us to that we might not enter into if it wasn't for desperate circumstances. So I... With what I'm going to say today, I'm not downplaying desperation at all. You see, in Scripture, people would come to Jesus in desperate state, saying, Jesus, heal my daughter, or Lord, 
heal me or help me. And, and Jesus would answer those prayers. Jesus would heal everyone who came to him, by the way. There's not one person he turned away in scripture. Come on. So that should up our faith level when we pray for the sick as well, knowing that he is willing, like the leper came. If you're willing, you can heal me, Jesus. Of course I'm willing. So desperation is good, but if we stay at a place of desperation, well, I'll say this. Desperation can lead us to two, two paths. Desperation can lead us into despair and hopelessness, or desperation can actually lead us to faith and belief. And that's what I want to talk about today, is moving from desperation to belief, to faith. Because here's what I know. I, I know some of your business, but I don't know everybody's business. And I know that some of you in desperate places today. There's some people watching online that you're in a desperate place. You don't know what you're going to do, what next step you're going to take. You feel lost. You feel like things are hopeless. And the Lord says they're not hopeless. And today I think there's just going to be a, maybe a rearranging of how we think from hopelessness and despair to faith and belief in his faithfulness and what he can do in our lives. So, yes. Desperation may change our circumstances, but a prayer of faith is what changes us. And it changes the way we see our circumstances. James says, and the prayer of faith will heal the sick. It doesn't say the prayer of desperation will. It doesn't say desperation will move mountains. What moves mountains? Faith. It's not desperation alone that moves the heart of God. He is kind. He is, he is compassionate. But it is faith that moves his heart and moves his hand. And so there's a necessity of faith in this walk. If we're going to grow in prayer, we can't stay in desperation all the time. It's okay to be there, but we got to move into faith. And if we're going to grow in prayer, grow in our relationship with Jesus, we've got to move to this point where we're actually believing that he is good and that he's for us and that he can do anything and will do it if we ask in his name. And so moving from desperation to faith, the necessity of faith, Hebrews 11, very familiar Passage. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for. Everybody say hope. hope. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And then a few verses down in verse 6, it says, And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. That phrase, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Let that sink in for a minute. And now let's flip it, because it's, it's worded in the negative. Let's flip it in the positive. With faith, you please God's heart. With faith, and even the tiniest amount of it, it pleases him when you ask. 
even in your desperation, even if desperation drives you to the point where you have just a mustard seed, he's delighted because you're becoming who he's made you to be. Because you are a person of faith. The Greek word for faith is pistis. And a good way to explain this would be faith that is, that is outside of us. It's not a faith that I conjure up or work up. It's a faith that's graced to me. It is, I love how N.T. Wright says this, pistis, faith in the Greek, divine persuasion. Y'all quiet on that one. That's good because God himself persuades me that what he says is right and true and I agree with it. It's divine persuasion. If you look at, that's mostly in the New Testament, the word for faith. In the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, the word is amun. You know where, what word we get from that? Amen. Some of y'all said amen. What you're saying is, yes, yeah, right. I agree. Okay? So when looking at, in the context, therefore, faith is agreeing about what God has said because he has convinced us that what he says is our best option. So our faith is not just, it's not just, well, I hope God will do it. It's rooted in something. It's rooted in something more firm and more, more firm than our, than our fickle imaginations or, our, or our, our wishful thinking. It's actually rooted in something so strong and so secure that nothing can disturb it. Nothing can shake it because it's rooted in him. Biblical faith and the prayer of faith, when we pray from that place, it's not rooted in how we're feeling in the moment. It's not rooted in what people are saying about our situation. It's rooted in who God is and what he said. If we ever get out of desperation and into that place of faith and prayer, that's when all things are possible. So to grow in prayer, a good lesson that I've learned is this. When I face problems, like we all do, I don't just look at the problem. Now, I'm still not very good at this, okay? But I don't just look at the problem. I look for the promise about the problem. So when I'm facing an impossibility in my life or when I'm facing something that's just really tough, I'm facing something I don't understand and I'm praying, instead of moving into desperation, I go, wait a minute, I gotta have something to hold on to in this moment. And it's not my fickle emotions because they're all over the place. I gotta see what God is saying about my situation and that's what I'm gonna root my faith onto is his nature and his character and what he says, his word. And so... Because prayer is not just hoping for the best. Praying, prayer is agreeing with God about the promise that he's made over our problem. Great. Are y'all still with me this morning? Yeah. So there's also this. I see this too. Necessity of faith. But there's also a responsibility that we have for a transformed mind. For a renewed mind. 
Romans 12, 1, Paul says, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. All right, are y'all with, I need to know if you're with me. I'm not just being cute. I really need you to hear what I'm about to say, okay? Because this is where our minds will change and literally our lives will change if we get this one thing. You are transformed. You are changed into something else. How? Not by magic. Jesus doesn't have a magic wand. Pow, you're different. You know, bibbidi bobbidi boo you know. That's not how it works. It's about transforming the way you think. It's about renewing our minds to what he says and what he's thinking. And so what happens is this. Renewing our minds look like this. looks like this. Once we've seen breakthrough... We let that breakthrough inform how we think from that moment on. This is what growing in faith looks like. It is not making through. Listen, we're not, I'm in a desperate place. I'm praying. I'm crying out to God. I'm, 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 I'm partnering with faith. I'm rooting my faith in his goodness and his nature. And I see a breakthrough. God comes through in the moment where I was, I was lost. And I, how can, who, can, who can be a testament to this? Where you prayed and God came through and it had to be God. There was no other explanation for it. You didn't know how that bill was going to be paid. And then you, the money showed up. You didn't know how, if your life could even go on and he just blows the wind on your life and gives you strength for the moment to get through that divorce or to get through that, that trial in your family or to get through the sickness. Many of you have been healed and you thought, I've gotten prayer 500 times, but God healed you. And in that moment, there's breakthrough. And so what the temptation is to do is to say, oh, thank you, Jesus, for that one moment where you broke through in my life and you proved yourself faithful. And the next problem we hit, we hit a wall and we forget what he did and we get hopeless again. The renewing of the mind is looking at every problem in my life through the lens of what God's already done in my life. And when I can't find something that he's done, because sometimes our memories get a little fuzzy when we're in chaos, then I go and I look in my phone about what God's done because I write it down because I'm really forgetful. And I write it down and I journal about it. And I, and I listen to other people's testimony. If I don't have a testimony in that area, I look for somebody who does. And it builds my faith. And I think if God did it for me then, he can do it for me now. If God did it for her, he can do it for me. So there's a responsibility of renewing our minds. It's not automatic. Faith doesn't come naturally. You don't grow in faith on accident. How you grow in faith and subsequently in prayer is you have to be intentional about seeing your present circumstances through what he's already said or done. I spent a lot of time as a kid at my Granny Acreage's house, and she didn't observe me a whole lot. She was kind of that old school, like, he'll survive. Just turn him loose. Don't slam that screen door too hard when you go outside, you know. Like, And so she didn't know where I was most of the time. And, uh, and so I'd have some really good ideas when I was at Granny Acreage's house. And one day during the summer when I was a little kid, I had a great idea 
that I was to take a electric plug and put a keychain over it, like around it, and plug that thing into the wall. Now, you probably know what happened when I did that. Thank goodness I wasn't touching any metal, but I plugged that thing into the wall. Kids, don't be dumb like me. But I plugged that thing into the wall, and a huge pop, sparks, smoke, some burnt carpet, and probably a spanking later, I, I made up my mind that that was not a good idea. I renewed my thinking that plugging metal objects into a wall plug is not a good idea. If you were growing up and, and your mom or dad would say, hey, don't touch that, that's hot. You know, hot, hot, even from a little age, hot, hot. Well, you don't really learn that just by instruction, do you? You need to experience it to really let it change your mind. It's the same way with God. That's why we create spaces for people to encounter God. Because if we can learn about God, we can teach about God, we can do all that stuff. But if you encounter God, it changes you. Teaching's good. Experience is even better. And so um, here's, here's the issue, though, with this, is that we are so apt to adjust our faith to the level of our disappointment rather than the level of where we've been with God. There's, there's um, in my hometown in 1990 and then in 1994 and in 1998, my hometown flooded. Uh, they've since corrected that. There was a levee around. There were two, there was rivers converging on the other side of the levee and it would just flood up, so, and it flood everywhere around, and the levee was built around the city to keep the water out. Well, the levee broke in 1990, and water rushed in, and the courthouse on downtown square, I'm talking two-story courthouse, the water was to the second window. So we're not talking about it messed up the carpet. It covered the whole houses. Uh, there were people on top, cats on top of rooftops, and driving her on a boat during, uh, in the streets. But after the water subsided, there was a water line on that courthouse. It's a mud streak. And you could look back, and people, even to this day, if I take anybody through my hometown, you see that? That's where that line was. You know, I'm like the old guy. Remember, I remember when. But there was a marker that you look back to. I remember that. You got to create markers like that in your life with God so that when things get fuzzy and you get hopeless, you, can, you got something to, you got to gauge. And the gauge is what he has said and what he has done in the past. So I'd like to propose that if we can adjust our faith level to our disappointment, then we ought to be able to adjust our faith level to what he says and what he does, to our testimony, our history with God. I'm almost done. Y'all still good? Are you encouraged? Is God shifting some things in your mind this morning, hopefully? Testimony is how we wage war. You say, I'm in a fight this morning. Well, the best way to wage, wage war is to look backwards. Seems counterintuitive. We, we're so distracted with the battle that's happening right in front of us. But what we need to do is look back and 
oh, wait a minute, I've seen something like this before. And by my testimony, I wage war in my current battle. Uh, Revelation 12, 11, there's a verse and it says, and they overcame the saints by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. I mean, no, the blood of the lamb has already given us victory, but our testimony helps us walk in it. I said the blood of the lamb has already given us victory, but our testimony helps us walk it out. Gives us something concrete to hold on to. So your past victories can show you how to think in your present valleys. Your history with God is your future with God. So looking at what he's done, remembering can get you through what you're going through. And when you don't have a story, somebody does. Going back to parenting, I can't tell you how valuable it is to talk to parents who've been farther than you have. Their kids are a little older than you. And you talk to parents who've got babies like these up here. They haven't gotten there yet, you know? I mean, you can give them some pointers, but... I need to talk to somebody who's been down the road and has teenagers. That's where we are in our, in our family dynamics right now. It's like we're approaching those teen years. And I value the testimonies of you who've walked it out already. It's important. If I'm not looking, if I'm not aware of what God's done, I will slip into hopelessness. And the best way to miss a miracle is to not look for it. The best way to miss it is to not expect it. So faith brings into focus what God is doing, not what he's not doing. We can be so preoccupied with what, not, what God's not doing. Well, I've been praying about this, and God's not answering my prayer yet. Well, what is he doing? What does he say about my current situation? It's not about how I feel about it. It's what does he say about it? And I'll tell you this. If you can't find a promise, ask him for it. He'll pull a scripture out. He'll send somebody to you. He will be faithful to give you a promise to hold on to. And the last thing I want to say is this. Real hope doesn't disappoint. Because already... I know some of your minds are going to, wait a minute, well, I've asked him and I've, I've hoped and I've got my hopes up and I've been disappointed. And honestly, it's a little raw this morning and I might be a little triggered because of, I, I've walked through some stuff that's just been really disappointing. I want to read something to you. Romans 5, 1 through 4. I don't think we have this one on the screen. This is a extra. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're justified by what? Faith. Faith. Oh, yeah. That's what we've been talking about this morning. Through whom we also have access by faith into his grace in which we stand 
and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in our trouble. Can you say that? Uh, my, my version of the Bible say, I freak out in my trouble. <laughs> but it's possible to glory in your trouble. We also glory in our trouble knowing that trouble produces perseverance. And perseverance, character. And character, hope. Now hope does not disappoint. Hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Worship team, y'all can come on up real quick. I think I've, I'm almost done. See, I, I told you. You didn't have faith, did you? So, like I said before, desperation is not a bad thing. But I think, and this is my opinion, okay? This is not what God says. I, this is kind of my opinion based on, I think, how I've walked with God through this. Most of the time, at my most desperate it's when I'm most hopeless. So I feel like there's a real thing of like desperation being rooted in hopelessness and not fully informed by faith. Are you still with me? So hope is what faith, prayer of faith is rooted in. And hope, I love this definition of hope. It's the joyful expectation that good is on its way. The joyful expectation that good is on its way. And you say, well, Gunnar, I've got my hopes up before for nothing. I've had faith and it didn't work out. What do you say to that? Well, here's where I land on that. One day I'm going to stand before God. And you are too. We're going to stand before God one day face to face. Do you think God's going to look me in the eye and say, Connor, let's be for real. Like you believe me some, for some pretty crazy stuff. Like, did you actually think I'd do what you asked? Like your faith level is a little bit out there, if you know what I mean. No, I don't think he's going to say that. I think he's going to be proud that I would take him at his word. Even if it wasn't in his timing, I still believed. What if, my opinion again, but just go with me a little bit. What if the well done, my good and faithful servant is because we believed? What if the well done enter into your reward it's because we had faith to just take him at his word. When things didn't even look like they were going to work out, when things looked hopeless, we just believed anyway. Maybe we were foolish enough to think that God was good in the face of impossibility. So getting your hopes up is not a waste. I think it's well worth it. What do you got to lose? He's our hope anyway. So here's the challenge. I got, 
I got four things. And maybe just get along with God right now. Sometimes I have to close my eyes to kind of block out if you want to do that. Here's where it goes personal. Here's my challenge to you. Get your hopes up. Again, get your hopes up. Believe God for more than you're currently believing him for. And this is how you find where that is. What, mo what area of your life are you really struggling to believe him in right now? There's a guy who came to Jesus and Jesus asked him, well, do you, do you believe? And he said, Lord, I do believe. Help my unbelief. I love that honesty. And that's where I am a lot of the time. Lord, I believe, but I, I, I need you to help me with my unbelief. And just right there where you are in that area of trust that you're struggling with, just tell him in your own way, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Lord, change our thinking about what you say. Change our thinking about who you are and about our circumstances. I'm just challenging everyone in this room and watching online to change your mind about how good he is and just take him at his word, even though it looks foolish. Even everybody's telling you another way. You know what he said. You know what his word says. You know the promise that he's given you. Just believe him. And here's the other, other challenge. You're facing something hard. You're facing a problem. You're facing a, a difficult, even seems like an impossibility. Identify the promise in that problem. Ask him. Get out of the chaos and just ask him. Just put your eyes on Jesus. Say, Jesus, what do you see? Jesus, what are you doing? Jesus, what are you saying? I just believe the Lord's going to give you a word today. A word of hope. A word that is going to keep you going. And then the last thing is this. The challenge is, it could be that God is asking you to be the answer to your own prayer. Because that's what faith looks like sometimes. Is this jumping out there and doing it. Y'all seen Indiana Jones? You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Where he steps out on nothing and there was something. That's what it looks like to walk with Jesus. And that's scary. <laughs> but faith is trust. Let's stand our feet. If you're in this room, you don't know Jesus. The Bible says if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. Jesus died for you, for your sin. He raised from the dead so that you could know him, so you could be reconciled to the Father. Nothing's holding you back this morning to just give your heart and life to Jesus. I encourage you to do that. Just in your own words, in your own way, just give your heart to Jesus. Surrender to him. Lord, I'm yours. And then... I want you to, uh, Stefan, raise your hand right here. Stefan's going to be at the Connect table for first-time guests, for welcome home registration. And then also, if today you would say, I want to start my relationship with Jesus today. 
I'm just going to say, talk to Stefan after, in the lobby after this is over with. All right, so let's just, maybe just make this your prayer today. I, I feel like it's going to be a theme song in my head is, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Lord, I'm holding on to hope because I know you're good. So, Hmm. Why don't we have some people up at the front and we close out, but we'll leave it for ministry time. Daniela and Chuck and Shay, Dan and Amanda. Um, can you guys? Y'all come on up too. Robin and Emery, y'all come on up. Just trying to be sensitive to the Lord's. highlighting this morning. Okay. Maybe there's something that really just resonated in your heart. You want somebody to pray with you. That's what this is for. Okay. So after we dismiss, if you need to run, run, but if not, get some ministry today. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your faithfulness, your goodness in every situation. And uh, Lord, I just bless everyone here and watching online with outrageous faith just faith that believes in your goodness and your character and your nature above all else, even in the face of hard stuff and impossibility. I bless you with outrageous faith. I bless you with patience in the waiting. And I bless you with a confident hope in the goodness of the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Come receive ministry if you need it this morning. You are loved by your Father. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. For more information about The Dwelling, visit thedwellingchurch.org.